we need more empowered, strong women's voices talking about sexuality. So I really admire the work you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I do for you too. I think uh, sex and mindfulness is amazing. When I saw your podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to be on it because like I just launched my, I was, uh, I had my sexual mindfulness journal and I'm like, this is literally my topic. I want to come on and uh, talk about sex. Dr. Tara is a sex and relationship expert and a tenured professor at California State University. She teaches and researches why sexual communication is extremely important in relationships, where it stems from, and how you can be better at it. She has a sex and relationship coaching business where she coaches clients on effective sexual communication, and she also authored a sexual mindfulness ebook, which I find super cool being a meditation and yoga teacher. So I am super pumped to introduce Tara to you guys. And I struggle with this in my own personal life. So I am so eager to learn more about this myself. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Tara to the show. Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Tara and I am a sexual communication expert. I am a professor at Cal State Fullerton. I teach sexual communication and relational communication. I also do sex and relationship coaching, and I'll be launching my podcast soon too. Yay! So exciting. <laughs> I can't wait to listen. Very exciting. What got you into this field? I'm curious. Yes, it is. It started with my curiosity in relationships. In my 20s, I was very anxious and I was in a lot of, you know, failed relationships. I was like a serial monogamy mm. person, you know, I, I kept being in relationship and relationship and a bunch of boyfriends later. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like it was, I was the common denominator. So in grad school, when uh, we were kind of selecting like what to study I thought I just thought I wanted to study relationships because I do think that it contributes to my life's happiness absolutely yeah that's the way to learn I feel like it's through your own experiences and then we're just hungry for more and like why is this not working <laughs> yeah for sure like in grad school my advisor was actually the person that's really well known uh for writing about attachment theory. Mm, love attachment So I had theory. learned a lot about attachment theory. I had learned that I had, you know, insecure attachment due to sure. various reasons from my family and, you know, in my childhood. And how do I become more secure? And I basically mm -hmm. have worked on it ever since. I'm interested because I myself am insecure. <laughs> I yeah. feel like this podcast episode is going to help me so much and my listeners, but like, I'm asking questions because I sincerely want to know what has helped you kind of navigate the insecure attachment and go towards a more secure attachment style? Yeah. You know, I'm going to start with like, there is a myth that people say, oh, you know, you work on yourself first mm -hmm. and then you, and then you what, like magically become perfect. And then you are, then you can be in a relationship. Like we're never going to be perfect. I think we continuously work on ourselves and learn more and then work on ourselves more. So I would say like the two things that I've done 
in my you know because I've recognized my pattern so like basically from my like after 25 years old is I do a lot of self-reflection and that's through either like meditation or journaling Mm. um I do that religiously like I do it I do it every day and another thing is taking your time in understanding your partner because I think that your partner is contributing to you feeling more secure you know like of course my attachment style now is secure however if I'm with a shitty partner right like if I'm with just a terrible man uh and he you know disrespects me all the time then like I can shift towards more insecure you know what I mean like it's not like a fixed thing we're all just kind of dynamically like growing and sometimes we uh yeah sometimes we get hurt and we move to insecurity and that's just kind of how it goes it's a continuous journey oh a thousand percent I feel like you could do all the inner work and you think you're there and then you get into a relationship and you realize the hundred things you have yet to work on (laughs) right yeah like of course if you're secure and then you meet a secure person Mm -hmm. it is amazing right? Like, and that's ideally, I hope like for everybody. Yeah. But I, I find that it's more so that, um, sometimes the anxious and the avoidant really go together oftentimes, (laughs) you know, but if you are in a secure attachment style, if you grew up with healthy communication, which we'll get into in a moment, you're more likely to attract and seek out people that can give you that healthy, secure attachment style as well. I think so too. I have definitely noticed that when I became secure, I attracted Mm -hmm. uh, secure partners. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) It is. It really is. And when you're secure too, like sex is so much easier and having like sex talks in your relationship is so much easier too. Hmm. Let's get into that. So what is the name of the class that you teach? Is it sexual communication? Yes. Very sexual communication. I teach a whole semester about that. I would never find that course in New York ever in a million years or else I would have taken it 12 times by now. It's rather, it's rather new. I believe that at Cal State we've had it for five years. Incredible. Uh, It's rather new. Yeah. It's a, it's a new, it's a new class. You know, it's maybe the last 10 years it has become really popular amongst, I would say more metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. Because again, it what I teach is very it's very explicit. I love it. I feel like that is so needed because we're walking around, especially in an age of tech, where no one, everyone is so isolated, yet they have the ability to connect online like that. It's like immediate gratification 24-7, yet the loneliness epidemic is at the highest rate it's ever been. Yeah. Um one of my professors in grad school wrote this book called, I think, Cure for Loneliness or something along that line. And loneliness literally kills, you know, it hurts your physical health and mental health. Uh, so, yeah, I, the way I think about it is, you know, sometimes I talk to my students and they're like, oh, yeah, I can be fire on my phone and like dirty text, you know, and like flirt. Uh, and then when I meet them in person, I'm yeah. like, what am I saying? What, what exactly. should I say? What should I do? And then they realize like, oh, this is not the person I expected. Oh, because it's almost like you manif- like, you know, you, you express like such a different person on text. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we convey what we want. It's I think we've all been there. We've gone on a date, whether it was from a uh, blind date. I don't even know if kids do that anymore or Bumble date. And you meet the person and it's just so awkward and uncomfortable. Yet you were texting 24 seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that happens a lot. Yeah. We've all been there. So I'm curious as to in sexual communication, what is some of the most common questions or most common myths that you see come up from your students? Yeah, the most common myths, I would say, come up with my students, but also, you know, like on my social media, like on TikTok, I would have people commenting these very toxic comments. Mm -hmm. Basically, one of the things is, uh, what's the point for sexual communication? Like sex is an act, like I show her or like I show them. It's not like something to talk about. Stop. What? I know, right? That's yeah. Unfathomable. Like, let's let's do more and talk less. I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. that is not sexy. Number one, it's gross. <laughs> I I can only Talking assume is hot. Is, was that a I'm assuming that is the mindset of a lot of cis hetero men. Mm-hmm. The do more talk less because a lot of my girlfriends have had so much unsatisfying sex due to mm-hmm. lack of communication. Oh, yeah, totally. And that, I mean, don't even get me to orgasm. I think we can get to that next. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's so much uh, lack of sexual communication in almost all relationships. If we're not being aware and actually do it, like execute it, have the sex talks. Because I think it's because, you know, hundreds of years, we're taught, like, don't talk about sex. Sex is taboo, right? Don't mention it. Don't be sexually assertive, you know, especially for women mm-hmm. and for, uh, I mean, for women of all sexual orientation, yeah. like, don't be, you know, quote, unquote, like, don't be a slut. If mm-hmm. you're sexually assertive, you're basically like a loose woman, right? So we can never, like, bring it up. And if we start talking about it, it's like, whoa, 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 lady, like, you know, lady, (laughs) girl, hold on, right? So it's kind of like just hundreds of years of this, like, conditioning, like, let's not talk about it, it's taboo. But then now, I think we're in, like, I like your, I like the name of the podcast, like, I think we're in a sex positive era. Yeah. I think there's more and more content creators that are, uh, and educators that are teaching and talking about sex. And I think it's so beautiful because we have to normalize sex talks. Uh, Out of a ton of research, okay, and this is a lot of research found that sexual communication predicts sexual satisfaction. Hmm. It's a very strong factor. That's not surprising at all, at least to me, because sex is the only act out of everything we do in our lives that we're automatically supposed to know how to do it, what to do, what to say, when to say it. We're taught everything else in our life, yet sex is so crucial and critical to our lives. Sexual health is a component of our overall health, yet no one talks about it. And we're supposed to just know how to do it straight out the gate. Yeah. Yeah, if you can recall, you know, turning like 16 or whenever you had your sexual debut, it was so confusing because you hit puberty and then all of a sudden you felt kind of horny mm-hmm. and then 
you were expected to, you know, have a sexual debut, like you were expected to have sex, either like maybe peer pressure, especially, yeah. you know, in research show in young men, right? There's a lot of like cultural narrative, like, oh, you haven't lost your virginity yet. Uh, you know, there's a lot of like peer pressure like that. So, you know, when you're, when you're young and when you're like in your early 20s, for example, you're just, you're just clueless. You're clueless. You're having sex. Uh, mindlessly a lot of times yeah. and but I do contribute to like the the Gen Z learning a lot more in this era in this sex positive era I think we're heading to the right direction I think we're heading to a more positive direction and I'm happy about that I hope so and I'm, I'm so happy that there's courses like yours available for people to take because in my era I'm a millennial um, we were taught how to have sex through our friends or through porn. And it, it did not end well for, for people like me. It just, it, it led to a lot of misinterpretations, misunderstandings and assumptions about what people like in bed. And in porn, there's never really any communication going on before or after <laughs> sex. It's just like dirty talk. And a lot of people have sex the way they think it's supposed to look in porn. Oh, totally, totally. That's why I think there's uh, a couple of companies doing ethical porn now, which I think is great. Uh, but yeah, I when I was younger, I definitely learned from porn because my parents never talked to me about sex and my friends weren't talking a lot about sex. I think we were kind of all just doing it in hiding. So <laughs> I learned a lot from porn, <laughs> but the wrong things. Yeah, You know, I learned like, performative sex yeah like i have to sound a certain way look a certain way i have to arch my back so yeah. i look sexy i have to pop my butt uh all of these things that i see on porn because that's what they do exactly it's it's fake and it's it focuses on being performative rather than having uh being present mm. and having a great sexual experience with someone that you can connect to absolutely me and you both i I would love to talk more about that, the performative-based sex, which I would term in the mindless sex, versus the right. mindful sex, which I know you did work on mindfulness, and the pleasure-based sex. What is really the disconnect or the gap between the two? Or how can we yeah. get there? I would say uh, the big, the biggest gap between the two is lack of awareness. Mm. What do you and mean then number that? two would be presence. But in terms of lack of awareness, there's many factors. So first would be lack of awareness of your own body. Number two would be lack of awareness of the other person's body. And number mm -hmm. three would be lack of awareness of the sexual situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have this like mediocre sex. I talk about it a lot, like stop having mediocre sex because, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I know that some people reach out and they try to learn and educate themselves and explore, which is great, but there's still so many more people that are not doing that. And they're having sex. That's like no effort <laughs> sex. That's mindless. That's just kind of like pump, pump, pump done. <laughs> and it's so just, uh, I feel like it's wasteful. And of course, like, you know, typically if it's in a heterosexual relationship, like typically the woman is not having a good time if it's that kind of sex, right? Yeah. 
like it's hard for women to come or have an orgasm with that kind of sex. So yeah, like the lack of self-awareness is a huge part. I mean, that's like one of the reasons why I created the sexual mindfulness journal. Oh, I love that. that. Yeah, I created the sexual mindfulness journal that's on my website. It's basically to explore like your own sexuality and become sexually mindful on your own first. That's incredible. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, because a a lot of people lack exploration, like intentional exploration, not just, you know, like I know that a lot of women in, you know, after their 20s are already masturbating, right? Like all of us are masturbating. But are you mindlessly masturbating or mindfully masturbating? And also like, you know, do you know, do you know your body? Do you know how to induce this like pleasurable feeling, which basically gets to the orgasm part? I always talk about it. Like sex is 70% you, 30% your partner. Mm, That's a beautiful way of putting it. I've never heard it like that before, but it's so true. And, and you said a lot of us are masturbating and, I pray because I can't imagine never having touched myself at this age. And my heart breaks for people that there's still this shame and like stigma or religious guilt around that. I would be 90% less happy if I did not have all my sex toys. Oh my gosh. I know. Right. Like, I mean, (laughs) masturbating is amazing. Like it does release hormones this is scientific too, you know, it releases hormones that do make you feel good. I actually, when people ask me like, is there a good time to masturbate? I'm like in the morning, start your day with a big bang, (laughs) like, you know, a big release of uh, happy hormones. Yeah. Like do that. Masturbate in the morning. Uh, You can masturbate at night too. It'll probably help you sleep better, but uh, basically it's a great thing. And it is such a shame that there is a lot of shame and guilt around being sexual, even sexually exploring by yourself. Yeah, especially I remember in high school, and I mentioned this on my last podcast, that in my group of girlfriends, we were making, well, one of them was making jokes and asked any of us if we've ever touched ourselves. And I ha- I did the first time at like 12 years old. And someone immediately said, ew, no, why would I do that? I have a boyfriend for that. And I was just like, yikes. Yeah, no. this, is, this <laughs> is the problem with the lack of good sex ed. Yeah. Yeah. Like high schools need positive sex ed. You know, they, they do, most high schools in the United States do either abstinence-based sex ed or just like a sexual health class, which is like one workshop about childbirth and how to wear a condom yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's not about love and dating and being mindful or how to communicate in relationships how to communicate about sex like that's never taught and like you said a lot of colleges still don't offer this class so it's like a lot of people are just out there figuring out on their own but I'm glad that there are now you know a lot of resources on the internet Yeah. In high school for me, we had one class and I learned about how to put a pad on. And then in in college, I had one class about bystander intervention and sexual assault, which is super 
super critical, especially on college campuses, but no one was paying attention. People were like making jokes out of it, laughing at it. Like the frat brothers in front of me were like throwing things at the ladies. So I think (laughs) it needs to be taken more seriously because this is life-saving research and information for people. Yeah, totally. Uh, We need a whole like reform uh, sex ed. Yeah, definitely in high school and colleges. Yeah, that's why I'm so amazed. And I, I just look up to the work that you are doing. So going back a few notches, what does intentional exploration, solo sex self play look like? Yeah, uh, a lot of time when I talk about that, I talk about it in terms of uh, tantric sex. Mm. And you can do it solo. And what that means is just really spending time being very present in that moment and not having a goal. Love that. Yeah. So spending time, like just, you know, don't do it on a day where you're in a rush, Mm -hmm. right? Like spend time, just touch yourself everywhere. Uh, Touch, you know, touch your body, touch your thighs, like just touch yourself everywhere and see where, see how it feels touch the erogenous zones, uh, touch your genitals and do that coupled with, you know, deep breaths and basically just being super present and in feeling your body and don't have a goal that you're going to have an orgasm today. Just, just exploring. Yeah. That goes hand in hand with mindfulness, actually, because it's tuning into your five senses. It's not just robotic, like motion, which unfortunately, a lot of sex, especially in um, male-female relationships, is just orgasm-centered. And I remember one time, this my boyfriend at the time and I had sex, but he didn't come. So he's like, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't get to finish having sex. And I was like, honey, I never get to finish having sex. <laughs> You always do. But if you just make the goal orgasm, it makes it so much less connected, I feel. The the start of my class, at the very first class of every semester, I I give my student this poem. But towards the end of the poem, it goes, uh, lectures can be long and hard. Uh, Sometimes we will finish. Sometimes we won't. But the men always do. <laughs> True. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but yeah, like there is such like that reminds me of one of the questions I got from my Instagram DM was, "How do I know when I'm finished?" Hmm. <laughs> and this is from it seem seemingly from a younger person, like a an eighteen year old, uh, and. I said, well, it depends, you know, for a guy, it seems pretty simple. They Mm -hmm. ejaculate and uh, that's, that's it. That's when you finish. But when you ask a woman, there's no finish, you know, of course, there is such thing. Of course, there's orgasms, there's clitoral orgasm in which if your partner gives you oral or finger you, you can get that too. And it feels amazing too. And it releases great, like happy hormones too. Right, so clitoral orgasm doesn't get doesn't get enough, uh, basically mm. props. I think yeah. it's amazing and it's completely like fine to just have clitoral orgasm. However, like vaginal orgasm can come in waves, and then there is this thing 
where, you know, scholars, like researchers in the field are still debating if it's true that there is such thing called climax. Hmm. Okay. So I can personally say, you know, I have like, when I do, when I have penetrative sex, I have these like little goosebumps, like little good feelings where I call them like my little comes. (laughs) And then I will have like one that kind of feels like a huge rush and I'm a little out of breath and I'm really contracting. So that to me, like that's how I define my Hmm. orgasm. But I tell women all the time, uh, orgasms may look and feel different in every woman. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I know that that's the orgasm and it's very emotional for me. Ugh. Like if I haven't yeah. seen my partner a long time and I have really good long like sex session uh, and I orgasm, I cry after. <laughs> yes. I love that. I'm not alone. Yeah, right. that's no, normal. You're not. Like, that's I so cry normal. because oh, it feels so good and it feels so connected. Like I feel really good. Yeah, crying or laughing, especially after climax, is yeah. really common. Sometimes I laugh. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's you're just all these endorphins and hormones are just yeah. being so it, you know your brain it starts going on overdrive in the best way. But I love so many points what you said. Climax doesn't equal sex. It's just a good part of it. Sometimes, sometimes right. it happens. Sometimes it doesn't, but as as you mentioned, like I hardly ever reach orgasm through penetrative sex, and mm-hmm. I think that clitoral stimulation is so underrated, and a lot of women actually don't orgasm just from penetrative sex alone, so I think that goes to where the sex education comes into play, that bodily anatomy, where it's like if a man is just pounding away at a woman, that's kind of like a woman giving guy oral but not touching his the tip of his penis and just sucking on his balls the whole time like yeah yeah kind of yeah it's like it's equivalent good analogy <laughs> it, I mean yeah it's it's hard uh, and like you said clitoral orgasm is so underrated it's amazing and it's so good coupled with the penetration mm, yeah uh, if we're talking you know heterosexual sex I think one of the major problems and I hear this a lot in you know people that I meet my clients my students like social media is guys will feel intimidated when uh, women, bring in their toys, mm-hmm. bring, bring in the vibrator during penetrative sex, Yeah, right? Like a lot of men feel like, oh, like, am I not enough? Like, bro, calm down. It's not about you, <laughs> right? Like, it's not about you. It's, it's about me. And I hope that, you know, every male partner can understand that, like help her, <laughs> you know, the vibrator, the vibrator helps and it feels great. Why wouldn't you want her to feel great? Right. So, so true, I think yeah. uh, I want, this is just PSA for all men. Like, please don't be intimidated by this vibrator. Actually encourage her and like be supportive about it. Uh, and ask like, do you want to use your vibrator too? Right. Like my partner does that. I think it's so sweet. Wow. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I love that because like your, your masculinity is not threatened by this tiny little rabbit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Bless. Bless your partner for doing that. Because I think a lot of, um, if we're talking like straight relationships, you know how sexually frustrated men would be if nine out of 10 times they had sex with their partner, they didn't come. 
Like, right. So you can't get mad at me taking measures into my own hands to finish, you know? Oh, exactly. Uh, women are so good. I know. I'm <laughs> we, biased. We are so patient. We really and are. understanding. <laughs> Amen. I agree. A thousand percent. Like, we do what we got to do to yeah. get the job But done. ladies, definitely communicate with your partner. Uh, you know, definitely explain it to them. Like, hey, babe, like, this is completely fine. I promise it doesn't substitute you or a substitute like this sexual experience. It only enhances it and makes mm. me want to have sex more or like, you know, makes me enjoy sex more. I think if you're with a good partner that wants you to be happy, they will accept it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, that it enhances it. And that talk with a partner is so important because we have to care about our partner's experience in bed and care about their orgasm. And sometimes we have to prioritize our own pleasure, but also take others' needs into account because it is a two-way oh, street. Yeah. Totally. And I'm happy you mentioned that because you know, a lot of times like people would say, like, you know, I like, I don't care. Like, I just want to come or, you know, it, they just don't take into account the other person that much. I think the more generous and caring yeah. a lover you are, uh, the better it's going to be. If two people having sex are both caring and generous, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, it will be fun regardless. But nothing for me is a bigger turnoff than a selfish lover right that like yeah. comes in and just want to like let's go like yeah let's penetrate <laughs> <laughs> it feels so right? like exploit like I feel like I'm being used at that point so for me it's just not it's not a good time it's true I mean I I would agree that it does feel more like instrumental if there wasn't any you know anyone like pleasuring me first mm-hmm yeah. yeah, so I would say, like, pleasure her first. Mm. I love that book, She Comes First. Have you ever heard of yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, I love it too. <laughs> so, I love that book. I love... Uh, oh, yes, please, yeah. more suggestions. What What other love, books do you like or podcasts? Oh, gosh, uh, Come As You Are. Yes, that's an amazing book. It's so informative. Yeah, every everyone it's should so read it. so informative. Yeah. yeah, like, everyone should read that book. Uh, I also like... I mean, this is a little bit old school and maybe, and very very heterosexual, but there were some really really good original points. Uh, hot monogamy. I've heard of that. I've never I've never looked into it. Yeah, it's it's old, but uh, there are some really good points and very applied. There are a lot of activities on there huh. that I really like. It's good for heterosexual couples that perhaps have been dating or in a relationship a long time. And in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, it's called hot, <laughs> hot monogamy. And of course, my favorite of all time, Esther Perel. Yes. Uh, yeah, mating in captivity. Yeah, that's a classic. It is so informative. It's insightful. I feel understood afterwards because I went through something like that before. Hmm. It's a great book. Yeah, that's definitely like a go-to baseline that everyone should also read it just it's so um like educational and also practical at the same time yeah and it's real life examples yeah it's her it's her sessions yeah yeah I love her podcast too now she and they talk about which I really want to get back to communication because 
how do we healthfully communicate our boundaries, our desires, our needs and our wants to our partner? And how do we know if they're being a receptive partner to those needs? What are some signs yeah. to look for? Yeah, I would say in order to initiate uh, sex talk, sexual communication, um, prime your partner first, right? Because you don't want to just explode. Like, I never, you know, you never made me come and sex is terrible. Like, you don't want to just explode, right? You want to prime them like, hey, uh, do you think we can have a little talk later today? Um, I really want to talk about something that really matters to me, if that's okay. It's it's about sex. I think if you prime them like this, they will definitely want to know. Like, what do you mean about sex? Like, what do you want to know? Uh, well, you know, let's have a, make sure that we have a good, like, not rushed, not stressed out time to set aside to have a talk. And then when you're having a talk, maybe you're just, you know, being comfortable on a couch or you're having a home-cooked meal, have this talk. But enter this talk with, you know, um, lightheartedness and uh, playful attitude because sex is, it's still very touchy. Yeah. If you go by, I never orgasmed, uh, your partner might be very taken aback yeah. and, you know, they, they feel it, they were lied to, right? They feel like, they were deceived and there is a whole literature literature on um, fake orgasms. And a lot of times like women in heterosexual relationships have to, you know, fake their orgasms because they feel like they want to be polite yeah, or they want to, you know, they want to be in a situation where it's socially accepted or they just want the sex to be over. <laughs> so like, even if you want to bring up something like that, like, you know, there are ways to have this conversation in a mindful way. If you want to think about how to have a mindful conversation, read, like say it to yourself, like say it alone first, right? In the bedroom or in the car, say it and, and think like, if you were the receiver of this message, are you going to be hurt? Yeah. You know, like it's, it's basic empathy. Like just mm -hmm. put yourself in the other person's shoes and think about how to say it best. In my opinion, whenever I want to bring up you know, our sex life and my partner and I have regular like sex talks. Good. I do. I call them sex check-ins. And I ask, I ask him like, Hey, can you rate our sex life this month? Like one to 10, huh. you know, and that. you have to be prepared, right? What if your partner is being honest and say, you know what? This month was a six, <laughs> right? Then you're, you're going to have to be prepared to, to say, hey, you know, I'm going to step out of my ego yeah. and I'm going to listen to this constructive criticism. If my partner says, Tara, you've just been on your phone a lot. You seem distracted. You know, sometimes I feel like you're not super into it. Like, I'm going to take that criticism to my heart and try to improve myself tomorrow, you know, mm. tonight, whenever that is. Right. Because I think the ability to take criticism shows you're emotionally intelligent. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that is like basically so uh, the foundation of someone who can have uh, an effective sex talk is someone who is moderately or highly emotionally intelligent.
right? Because you have to be able to take criticism or else it's just a lie or else it's just two people saying, oh, you're a 10, babe. You're totally a 10, but it's not, you know? Yeah. It's like honesty and the ability to take criticism. Yeah. I wish I could applaud yeah. you because that's so true. It's, it's about having our own um, security with ourselves, our own sense of self and not right. projecting our insecurities onto our partner and just being open-minded. You know, I, you have to communicate often and honestly, like you do the check-ins with your partner because we've all been there where we harbor this resentment, especially as people pleasers, as women, sometimes we want to make the other person happy. And then a year down the line, we just explode. So that's why right. it could be avoided. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, long time ago, I was in a relationship like that. And, you know, I'm a very uh, sexually energetic person. <laughs> and, you know, I want to have my my sexual needs are high. And my partner's wasn't. And it was this mm, big discrepancy yeah. between me and him. And I wasn't, this was a while back, and I wasn't equipped to have this conversation. So it, yeah, I exploded. And I learned from my mistakes. And I did more research. And I did more research. And now I'm a huge advocate of regular sex check-ins. That's amazing. It's so important if you want to have a long-lasting, healthy relationship. Yeah. Well, we only have a couple minutes left. So my last question for you, this has been so helpful and I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode like 10 times for myself, Awesome. but where do most people go wrong and what are some practical skills or tools they can implement to get better at sexual communication or just communication in their relationships every day? Yeah, uh, I would say that's a great question. I would say that the number one thing that a lot of people go wrong is assuming mm, people make sure. a lot of assumptions rather than asking questions. So I would end with, you have to ask questions. You want to get better at sexual communication. Start with a practice of asking questions, ask them how they're doing, ask them how you're doing in sex, ask them if you can pleasure them better or what else can you do? Ask them, how do you feel in this relationship? Do you feel secure? Ask them, you know, do I call you too much? Do I text you too much? Instead of wondering people, what people, a lot of people do is they assume, yeah. right? For example, you know, I'm just going to text like one time because, you know, you and you're assuming, right? Because I don't want to bother them. Like, I just don't want them to feel like I'm needy. You know, a lot of us, I mean, I did this too in my early 20s. I assume a lot. Like, right? I assume this. I assume that. Like, I assume if I text a lot, he won't like me because it seems like I'm needy. Yeah. I assume if I wanted to see him often, it might seem like I'm needy. Or I assume if sex was good then it must be a good relationship or I assume if sex wasn't good you know like I just assumed a lot and I know like millions and millions of people out there are just like living their life assuming so Preach. many assumptions ask the questions ask the damn question like if you're assuming or, or wondering about something ask the question and that is the first step to sexual communication because it initiates a conversation yeah. And people will meet you where they're at. If someone recoils and is like, never talk to me about sex. Well, then maybe that's not the person you want to be with. <laughs> right. That's on them. Yeah. You know, they have their own journey to go through. Exactly. Yeah. 
Oh, couldn't have said it better myself. Well, tell us about your podcast and where people can find you. You're, I love your Instagram. It is so <laughs> cute and cool. I love the quotes you post and everything. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. So my all my social, my uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, uh, lovebites.co, and my website as well. Um, my podcast is called Love Bites by Dr. Tara, and it's actually going to launch September 28th. Oh, I can't wait to listen to it. I'm really excited. My first episode is me doing a segment called Shit I See on the Internet mm. and, and uh, Q&A. So it's, uh, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, that sounds so cool. And I saw, did your TikTok get taken down for talking about sex? You posted it something was like multiple people, times. Yeah, that is unbelievable. <laughs> I know, right? Multiple times. It I was. Can't. I was first. I was banned, and then it was like completely removed. Like my account didn't exist. I had to email people, and then I got it back. So now I got it back, and I'm more, much more careful. It's very censored. It's my much more careful what I'm talking about. I mainly just talk about relationships now because I can't talk about sex. So I'm talking about sex on my podcast. Good. Lots of lots of sex stuff. Oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so needed. And I'm sorry that it got taken down and just shaking my head because it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't like censorship. No. Lack of information is so harmful. So I'm so happy. I applaud you for the work you're doing. And I can't wait to release this episode and then listen to your podcast. It will be a good I time. I am so excited for this episode. Thank you so much, Lauren, oh, for absolutely. having me. You're amazing. 